0: okay awesome how you doing everyone happy sabbath it's it's been a while since i've seen some of you so it's definitely at least in person anyway so i'm glad to see all you guys here it's definitely a blessing to be back here and be able to preach for you guys so um why don't we pray before we get started Thank you, Father, thank you for this wonderful Sabbath day. Thank you that we're able to join together. What I want you to help also be with those who are joining us online, Lord, please bless them and let them hear the message as as we, as we speak. Lord, let these words be your words, not my own, that they may be glorified. In your name, amen. All right, so my subject today, as some of you might know, we're talking about um, uh, the whole pretty much throughout this whole break period, we are been talking about the, the book of Ephesians. Um, last week we talked about uh, the ch- first chapter, and this week I'll be talking about chapter two. Um, so there are many things about Ephesians that I think some of us know, you know, we've heard it, we remember it, but maybe we forget where they come from. So this is kind of kind of going to these verses and really seeing what they say and actually applying them and really seeing what the weight that they carry. Uh, but what's important to take is that we take all these things and apply it to our lives. Um, but, and none can really be said more than the chapter that we're gonna talk about today. Um, and I wanna read a few verses uh, before, so that way we can get a good real feel for it and really see you know, what this really does for us. And actually reaching our goal of understanding and applying this. So why don't we go to Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. If you're, have your bibles if you could open it up for me we can we can read together. we're pretty much be staying in this whole chapter um so you just keep that book open so we'll be able to run through this here all right so ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved uh, so we see here God is rich in mercy um, because his, sorry, I like putting things in a little bit more perspective. Uh, what does it mean to be rich? I mean, really think about that. It's kind of like an, an abundance. So when you, you see God as in rich in mercy, God does own everything, correct? He, he created everything, he is our creator, he made all these things, so to be rich in that we have to think about this. This is tons of mercy. Not only does you know we have the universe as we know, you know as it is, but He has this mercy and He's rich in it. So it's kind of like beyond what He's already created. If that kind of makes sense, it's in abundance. I think we sometimes define God by our own understanding, kind of how I'm doing it right now. But we we often undersell it by a lot. And but we understand that God is rich. In mercy and just to round it out just so we understand why Paul says because of his great love with with which he loved us so we see true love for us in a way that let's be honest we can't really fathom we don't know what kind of love that really is as it's said it's almost incomprehensible think about this think about how we love one another whether it's friendship family strangers especially marriage Can we wholly say that we love people so much just as Jesus loves us? I mean, think about the people that you've been in contact with, or people that maybe you don't like, or maybe someone that had did something to you. Can you honestly say that you love them just as Christ loved them? Can we truly be honest with ourselves and say that we love these people with our heart no matter what, and have mercy for them in an abundance? We're kind of talking about unconditional love. All I need to say is in a world where love is portrayed in film and a world in general as it's kind of like a comedy, it's dramatized, it's like a tragedy, sometimes love is portrayed as hopeless, not meant to be, inconvenient, backstabbing, deceiving, and the worst one of all, unattainable. How many TV characters or people you idolize ponder, I'm not worthy to be loved? or to be dramatized, that it's okay not to have that chance at love, that unconditional love. People have died to share this love for you, this unconditional love. But this next part really gets to me in verse 5, and it really brings it home. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Uh, The King James Version says, dead in sins. Now I could talk about love, but we must also bring into context this verse. I'm not really exactly into context, let's actually bring the weight to it. This is not just said to give, you know, good feeling and to bring about reassurance and understanding. Uh, It's, there's a price to pay. There's a debt to be paid. And the wages of sin is death. Now I've seen verses like this and on so many occasions, and we always kind of just see the good parts and sometimes even myself, we find it easier to teach and preach about the good half of this verse. But it's also a good reminder about what we truly are facing and bring into reality for those who are truly suffering in this world. Because maybe you had a bad week, you messed up, maybe you can't sleep occasionally, But people, and maybe I'm talking to you, are truly facing having to pay this wage. And they, and maybe even you, are scared. Death and sins happens daily. And some of us, or some of those who see that, have only been told of this unconditional love is unattainable. Our movies, music, books, social media, and countless other things continually show us Unconditional love is nowhere to be found, and it's hopelessly just another fleeting fantasy. But there's so much more to God's love. It has mercy and grace, and it is truly unconditional and attainable. When I think about God's love, it's kind of it's kind of hard to describe, but when I look at, you know, TV shows, I actually came across a sitcom that kind of came up on my Netflix feed or whatever I was watching, and I was watching this first episode, and I'm continually seeing I know exactly what's going to happen. I've seen it so many times before. It's so repetitive. You know exactly what the character's going to do because of what they said, you know, two seconds ago, and you know what they're going to do? It's just constantly repetitive and doesn't give you any hope. It doesn't teach you anything. It's, and again, it's this repetitiveness. And if these are repetitive, we can honestly say that if they're teaching us things that is telling you that this love, that you can actually forgive someone for doing something wrong, but they don't do that. If you have done something wrong, you are cast out. You have no hope of being something better, but that's not what God is. Let's turn to Ephesians two, verses six and seven. And raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, in Christ Jesus, that that in ages to come, he might show that exceeding riches by his grace is his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It says he will show us exceeding riches of his grace. When we are with him, he is going to show us things that we didn't even know his grace was doing. Ways that exceed everything we know, which if we have ever done a study of grace, or if you have ever done, you know that grace is so much more than just the word that we say it. This is Again, this is talking about you know, when we're in heaven, God, Jesus will show us you know, what his grace actually did for us. There's things that we don't understand that it does for us. It's so much so that it says that this exceeding, again, that word, we wanna make sure we bring this weight into it, this exceeding grace that he has for us, this exceeding love and mercy that he has for us. And we know the saying, it says his grace is sufficient, but it's more than sufficient, it's much, much more. And if you go on and read, you see that it's more. This is uh, verses eight through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not in that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should talk in them, walk in them. This grace is a gift. Think about that, a gift. How much do you pay for a gift? No, I, don't, I don't remember the last time I paid for a gift for myself unless it was just something I wanted. You accept friendship and, or a family relationship, and you spend time with them, but maybe you have nothing, and you don't know who they are, but they give you a gift. Now, think of someone who has literally nothing, and they are given a gift of something. Paul said it wisely not of works. Guys, you see, God created us and he gives us his grace, his exceeding grace as a gift. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to go out and buy it. He gives it to us. And not only that, again, remember, if we're putting all this together, we see that word exceeding. It's abundant. We don't earn it. We accept it or reject it. Even if we fall, even if we have broken our promises and that relationship, that friendship, he still loves us, but we must be firm. We can't take this love and abuse it. We can't keep falling on our backs. We must strive to be better. Pastors Kim uh, said this last week, and we've all heard this a million times, the only thing we take to heaven is our character. That sounds pretty tough and kind of, it, well, when you think about your character, and we kind of talked about this in Sabbath school, you know, there are things about us that we, it's kind of this, this word of duality, where we act in a certain way, but in our hearts, we know it's not right. And it sounds pretty tough and it sounds like we have a lot to do and some of us don't know where to start. Someone says something, or we say something to each other, and it could literally tear us apart at the seams. We have no respect for them or ourselves when we fail. But these verses clearly say, and that not of yourselves. We don't do it by ourselves, and it's, it's not about you in particular. You know, we, again, we talked about this in, in Sabbath school, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus clearly started that out with the Beatitudes, this idea of selflessness, this idea of taking yourself out of this and caring about others. And again, like I said, we don't do it by ourselves. God changes us. He puts things in our lives to make us better. He chisels the rough edges, and for some of us, things much bigger than a rough edge. Maybe we carry, you know, a boulder on our path. But this God we talk about, as it says here in these verses, we are his workmanship. He wants us to help, he wants to help us. He wants us to be able to change. And he gives us a foundation. Now, when you think about all the things that you have to struggle with, the things that you have to overcome, again, that idea of duality, you are presenting yourself as something, but in your heart, that's where it's hardest. That's where that guilt is the heaviest. You can portray yourself as something, but if that guilt, if that burden is just on yourself and only focusing on yourself, the rock gets heavier and harder and the hill gets taller and taller. But again, if we want this change, we have to figure out how to do this. And again, God gives us His foundation. And again, this is all in this Ephesians. So Ephesians um, two, verses nineteen through twenty-one. So we're going to skip down a couple of verses here. It says, "Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets; Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone." in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You see, he is our cornerstone. If you know what a cornerstone is, it's the, the cornerstone is the first stone set in a construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. again, think about this first part here. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Remember, we talked about he is our father. He is our family. He is our friend. We are a part of this community. The things that you struggle with, God can help you carry. He sets you on a firm foundation. And when you build a foundation, you usually notice that a foundation, hopefully, is flat. So to start rolling that stone is a little bit easier. It's not up a hill. I don't know if you've ever rolled a tire. Sometimes if you have to go up a, uh, I think it's a little bit harder, but if you have, you know, a straight, you know, it's pretty easy to just hold alongside of you and just push it. You see, if we see God as just what, what we decide to see him to be and not truly grow in a relationship with him, we will fail to see what he can do for us. He can be a fitting guide, a master of our learning, a master of sculpting our hearts, and a father, a friend with unconditional love. And how do I know this? I Remember that boulder, that thing that we know, we have to, it, it's pretty, it's, it, this boulder, is this is the wage we pay. That's the sin. That's your ultimate payment. Well you see, just as a cornerstone stone is already being placed in our lives, someone already paid the price and carried that stone for us in a way that we can't exceedingly imagine with grace. His sacrifice, his grace, his foundation, his love, is unconditionally and exceedingly rich. I hope when you hear those words, you'll always remember the weight that they really hold, because he reaches out to us. And when he does, it's to carry us as if we are weightless. I wanna finish this with uh, a quote from Ellen White, Testimonies of the Church. It says, the foundation of the plan of salvation was laid in sacrifice. Jesus left the royal courts and became poor, that we through his poverty, might be made rich. All who shared this salvation purchased for them at such an infinite sacrifice by the Son of God. We will follow the example of the true pattern. Christ was the chief cornerstone and we must build upon this foundation. Each must have a spirit of self-denial and self-sacrifice. When I think about the struggles that, you know, I have even in my own life, I often put it just on myself that I have to take care of it myself. You see, God has already had a plan before you were even created. He had a plan of salvation for you. That is the cornerstone of what we need to be laying our own foundation on. Instead of pushing the rock, we leave the rock behind and we let God carry it for us. Thank you for announcing our closing hymn. <laughs>